Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. If I believe in something, I sell it and I sell it hard. And that is today's quote by the beauty expert, Estee Lauder. So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. So excited to have you tune in again. And I'm excited to spend some time with today's guest. I was luckily on his show a month or two ago. And so it's like I get to be with an old friend, even though he's all the way in Australia. And here I am in California. He's starting to have summer show up and I'm starting to see that fall's coming in, winter's on the way. So kind of fun. Uh, I would like to remind you that I have an online course all about sales, which my guest Jay Long is also all about sales. Uh, and it's my step-by-step system. So um, if you have questions, you can get in touch. You can set up a 20-minute chat anytime. So that's it. So let's get going. All right. So my guest today, Jay Long, spelled J-A-I, so it's pretty cool, <laughs> is no stranger to the industry. He is a creative business coach. He is the host of Make Your Break podcast. He's an award-winning wedding photographer, a serial entrepreneur. It doesn't mean he eat cereal while he works, right? <laughs> <laughs> and a public speaker. He has a signature course called the Six Figure Business Map. He leads a heart-filled community of photographers and creatives worldwide, and he helps them set realistic goals. Oh, set unrealistic goals and overcome self-limiting beliefs. Was that a typo or is that uh, no, I, I talk about only unrealistic. Everything's got to be unrealistic. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, so welcome, Jay. Thanks so much for being on my show. Thank you so much for having me, Lucy. So good to jump back in and talk yeah. sales again. Yes. As we're both passionate about it. We are. So how did you get passionate about sales? Interesting story. Um, when I was young, we actually grew up in a very low socioeconomic area. And so we were homeless for quite a while when we were on a waiting list for a government house for seven years. And so in those years, especially when I was a lot younger, I would always be hustling things on the streets, you know, like selling crystals or selling lemonade or selling anything to anyone wherever I could, because I knew it was the key to get me out of the situation that I was in. And so as I grew, um, I think my sales just got bigger and bigger and the businesses got bigger and bigger. And I've always been in love with the notion of if you got something that can actually help somebody, why wouldn't you talk about it and share it and offer that help in service? Mm -hmm. So you answered the next question I was going to ask. <laughs> so, okay, we're done now. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, which was why is selling an honorable activity? And you know, I think, well, I think with sales, there's a lot of um a lot of bad condemnation around sales, and people see it from movies from the 90s, or you've been pressured into a sale before. And really, like sales for me is literally like being the best version of yourself and then and being a good storyteller. Like those two things are the attributes that I would say makes a really good salesperson. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's less about like the sales tactics, it's less about being pushy, it's less about the strategy. Because believe it or not, if you have the self-belief and um, the belief in your product, it will trump having the sales knowledge, funny enough. And so, especially when you first start, after a while, you do need to transition. And of course, we want to learn more skills and things like that. But if you are not even sold on you and your own services, then how could you possibly sell somebody else on those things? So, the first sale that we ever have to make is selling us to ourselves that we are worthy, we're good enough, our product is amazing. Um, and then from there, we can move forward. So, what do you think is the biggest challenge for creatives and photographers in making that leap? Because I think the rise of the shoot and share photographer has happened because 
the whole notion of putting putting our stuff out in the world and waiting to see if somebody's going to buy it and the and the risk involved and mm. you know the having our our uh, egos crushed i mean i i think that's the like when someone if i am coaching someone and i'm tracking back like what are they afraid of you know it's rejection and and rejection in a like a primitive human brain can actually mean death because if your tribe rejects you uh you know that's not good at all <laughs> but uh, do you think there's a reason people are particularly uncomfortable selling as artists yeah i think there's two main reasons and the first one the first reason why we don't sell as artists and as much as that we should be and you just hit the nail on the head but it's rejection so a lot of the times we think we're bad at sales and we don't like sales but we actually just fear the thought of rejection and sales is literally like them making up their minds whether they want to work with you and move forward and proceed or they don't want to move forward and proceed for whatever reason and as artists or creatives uh whatever bucket that we like to put ourselves into a lot of the times we wear our heart on our sleeves we create work that's actually mm -hmm. meaningful to us and then stuff that we love and the last thing that we want to do is put it out and then have somebody objectively look at it and not like it for whatever reason that is and because of that reason we we always sort of put a front up that i don't like sales i don't do sales but a lot of the times it's just us saying like i don't want to be rejected i'd rather not go through that and the second one i would say is the fear of success now i see this all mm. the time in creatives like there's so much fear around success and people put roadblocks up in their way to stop themselves from the success that they could be getting because it's unknown. And so I know even for myself, and this is what I resonate with, sometimes I'm holding myself back because I'm thinking if I get more successful, it means I've got more work, I'm going to be busier, it means I'm going to make more money, I don't know how to deal with that, it means I need to hire some people, that might be hard, it means um, I'm already too busy anyway, so what am I going to do when that happens? And so with all these notions going around in our brain, we just think like, oh, let's just sort of bring it back a little bit and let's not worry about sales. Um, or let, yeah, it's sort of just like letting sales fall away. And we use these other excuses that are masking the fear of rejection and fear of success. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. I have um, someone that I coached uh, a couple of years back and she posts a couple of times she's posted on a very active Facebook group that she's too busy and she's mm. thinking of quitting just because she's, she's got the uh, burnout factor happening. And sometimes our industry can be a, a teeter totter where it's up or down. And if we don't have a reserve of money for the downtimes, you know, can be very scary. And, you know, I, I and other people trying to help her um, with that. Like, how do you handle too much success? Do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a limiting belief. I think what we have is we are scared of what we don't know and we're comfortable with what we know. And so if you have experienced a lot of failure and not much success, then that's comfortable. And so it's easier to sit in that zone than it is the success zone success is confronting because you need to learn new skill sets mm -hmm. when you learn new skill sets one of the most important skill sets for you to learn to move forward for someone that's burnt out is leadership leadership is the highest priority thing for anyone to learn it's uh, the highest income earning thing it's the highest thing as an entrepreneur and if you lack um the skill set of leadership then it's going to be really hard to move forward in your business because you are the biggest block and of course, it's going to be hard for you to um, move forward with a sustainable business because you're doing everything and that's unsustainable, even for a one person show. So I think it's really important that we start looking around as we start earning more attention, more money, as we are moving up the ranks, we need to look around and we're like, what new skill set's going to serve me today and what doesn't serve me that served me yesterday? And what can we let go of to make space for what's to come? Say that again. That was good. I want to, what, what can I let go of? You need to let go of um, what was and what doesn't serve you to make space for what's to come. Ah, so um, what can I let go of that doesn't serve? So there's space for that. So 
Do you have yeah. an example of that? Of course, like a lot of the times something that we will hang on to is we think we are the best at everything. We always do when we first start and then we you hear people say something like no one can edit as good as me. No one can get back to the mm -hmm. emails like I do. No one can shoot like the way that I do. I've got the special source and everything. And I think it's um I think it's a very selfish way of looking at the world. Like I think honestly there is amazing people and it might not be exactly the same as you, but leadership is learning that it doesn't need to be the same as you because if you allow people in, in your world, they can do it better than you often. And it means you're leveraging other people's skills, other people's knowledge, other people's talent, other people's education, other people's life experiences. And it means that you can progress yourself through your business so much faster. Mm -hmm. So how do you get over the fear of spending the money on, on help? If you're already swamped, but you're not comfortably earning everything, you know, or you feel yeah. a little tenuous in your financial position how do you well i look at it a little bit differently than most because the way that i look at it is if you've been working in your business right now and anyone listening we can all ask ourselves this question you've been working for a long time but for some reason you still don't have enough money to hire somebody and why is that will you ever have enough money to hire somebody probably not and i never did but what I realized was, is if I didn't expand my business and hire someone before I had the money, then I would never have the money to hire somebody. So it's like right. the chicken and the egg sort of thing. So I think the way that I look at it is right now, the fear for me and the thing holding me back is if I don't hold somebody, then I stand to lose the success that I could gain. And I also stand to stay the same as I am today because you can't change. Nothing will change until you change something. And right. so that's something it needs to be, well, I need to change my mindset and realize that if I let go of some of the money that I have, I can now bring back time. And that means I can put into higher value tasks. One way that I look at like hiring people or anything is I start working at like the highest to lowest value task. So a high value task is sales. High value task is marketing, getting attention. High value task is being on social media. High value task is liaising with clients. But there's a lot of low value tasks that we have that you could literally outsource to somebody. Like for instance, just admin work, getting back to your emails, booking in us and the podcast, like so many things where I could go onto Fiverr or Upwork and work at how much would it cost to um, outsource that task. Now, based on that, that's how much I'm paying myself. So am I a six-figure CEO in my business or am I paying myself $10 now? Because that's what I could be, you know, paying somebody else to do it. So what I want to do is I want to put more time into the high value task. And so when we don't hire people, usually hear things like, I'm so burnt out, I'm shooting all the time, I don't have time for social media, I don't have time to do marketing, I don't have time for sales. And so what they're doing is they're putting themselves down to the lowest value tasks and only working on those. And of course, they've got no time. They will never have time yeah. because that just never works like that. Until you get to those high value tasks, you can't bring in more money. You can't make more impact. You can't share your work with more people. Exactly. Yeah. I There's a book I love called Grit. And it asks the question, how or what's the common denominator with most people that are extremely successful? And they studied, you know, is it environment, upbringing, good parents, bad parents, homeless? born with a silver spoon, race, where you lived. And in all cases, the author or whoever did the study found that it was people who have that that grit, that, that courage to do things and push past the fears. Yeah, do, I love that. Do you have any tips for people that aren't naturally, um, let's say, super courageous to yeah, I do that, to, to find what they need to do to get going? I do. I think um, often we have like self-doubt and imposter syndrome and we're not motivated and we feel like we're not creative and we're in a slump. And and I think what a lot of people don't realize is like someone just like yourself, Lucy, or myself, like I'm not always motivated or always feeling like I can conquer the world. But what separates me from a lot of people is I'll show up regardless and I'll show up over and over and over. And I think... Um, a lot of the times from an outside perspective is it can look like someone just got all their stuff together. But what I see the most successful people in our industry and all aspects of life is they are willing to show up regardless if they're feeling like they should or not. And they do it. And that means they've got courage because courage is literally doing it regardless of being comfortable with doing it or wanting to do it. 
Um, so we have courage in different aspects in our life. And I think if we want a practical tip here is if you look through the different tasks that you have or the different times that you've taken a big leap in your life, like what, uh, when did you show up with courage? Mm. And then how can you go back to that moment and steal from that moment and just say, I want to borrow this for today. And how was I feeling back then? How did it make me feel? How did I navigate it? And how can I apply that today? Because there's been like all of us have had times when we've had to show up and we had courage and we did the thing and then we're proud of ourselves. And then afterwards we go back and then we're scared again. And so I really want you to really think about dive in deep and and just think about when was the last time I felt courageous and how did I handle it? Like, how did that make me feel? And can I bring that to today? And and use that same feeling to move forward with a little bit of courageousness. You have an example in your life. I think uh, I'm always scared of everything. You know, I think one of the examples is when I first started my podcast, I was really scared of public speaking, and I was really scared of being on a podcast. One reason because I couldn't really read and write until I was about 21, and so for me. I was really scared of mispronouncing words or saying something wrong and feeling uneducated and feeling unworthy. So I started a podcast because of that reason. And I knew that if I didn't do it, it would have been holding me back. So the downside was huge. The upside is, um, and the upside is huge. So for me, yeah, showing up and actually talking on a podcast, now I can do it with ease. But if you go back and listen to my first one or my first interview, man, I was stressed, you know, and so yeah. I did it regardless. And I feel like that's <laughs> courageous. And my first seven minute intro, I think I recorded it like 15 times, totally. <laughs> trying not to sound like a, a goofball or whatever is my, in my mind, the worst version of what I might sound like so yeah it's scary isn't it and but you still showed up and you still published it yeah. and you still probably weren't happy with it as well you know i know i wasn't i was like oh man i cringed but i still yeah. published it luckily i i hired a team that specializes in creating podcasts and there was seven weeks of classes once a week and then we had a two-day get together with a group of other people and he said over and over again don't worry, your first episodes, they're not going to be that great. And mm. so that gave me permission to just do the best I could. And um, so something that happened to me in this regard, and maybe you've got that similar feeling or, or you know, it's, it's uh, in line with what we're talking about, is I felt small. Yeah, okay. Physically, like my energy, my meanness was kind of in a shell. Mm. And and the the thought that I was gonna go at least nationwide, turns out worldwide, just like you, as I was doing this, it physically hurt like I was cracking a shell. Do you know what I'm talking about? That I do, of course. Yeah. Can you describe what what it felt like for you or your perception of of that i think uh it's interesting because i'm very much an inward thinker and i never really looks too far outwards because if i do then i get um i will get like paralysis where i can't sh show up anymore mm -hmm. you know i actually um i was in los angeles like two three weeks ago and I had a lot of people come up to me and say, like, oh, my God, I listen to your podcast. It's, you know, you're always on my runs with me. You're mm -hmm. in the car and the babies are in the back. Like, you know, and I share all these stories, but it's interesting. They're like, how does that make you feel, Jai? And I'm like, well, it's, it is good, but actually it's scarier to know that that's what's happening. Because when, from my perspective, I'm just talking to a microphone to mm -hmm. nobody. And so it's really easy for me to put my blinders or blinkers on so I can move forward. And I think this is a really important lesson for a lot of us. Sometimes we put too much weight on like, you know, the impact and all the things that's going to happen in the world, then it feels more daunting and harder. Mm -hmm. But if you just get back to your own lane and look inwards and go like, okay, so I understand it's a big wide world and, and there's a lot of people out there and there's people that are better than me and a photographer is better than me and people are better at sales, people are better at podcasts. I understand all of that. But here I am right now with my microphone, with my camera, with my laptop, with in my universe, and all I can do is compare myself to me. 
And so as long as I'm listening to my last episode and I'm going, ooh, I could probably pronounce those words better or have less feel words or my last wedding that I shot, I could probably shoot this better or shoot less of that. Um, then I know I'm progressing and I feel like I have um, internal fulfillment as well because I'm no longer looking for outside influence on the work that I'm doing. Right. Oh, I love that. Uh, so uh, if I could summarize that, that instead of uh, like imagining there's thousands and thousands of people listening, you you stay like stay in your singular. Yeah. I do. I do. Just yeah. Stay here. Yeah. For me, I I just found it interesting that after a time, then it just seems so natural. Oh yeah. You know, mm. I have this many people that download all the time. Oh yeah. It's in 95 countries and counting. And it, it's like I think whenever we do something that's a big expansion. There's a point where our our energy, our vibes, our spirit, our and everything, just kind of expand to go with it. And yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I love talking about this kind of stuff. That's a little bit, um, not just like okay, here's how you do X, Y, Z. Yeah, of course, because um, this is the real stuff, you know. And you know is. what's interesting? Um, I was talking to a friend the other day. And I was like, you know, educators these days, you can learn a lot of stuff from AI and chat GPT and all these different things. You can ask them tons of questions and you go online, you can learn a lot of stuff for reels and stuff like that. But the reason why someone's listening to this podcast and listening to you is because if it comes from experience, no AI has the experience. And so mm. it means I want to hear the in-between moments of how did it actually feel? How did you actually show up? How did you get past that courage barrier how you know and all the little facets in life because we're human and we all are going through the same you know aspects of things when we're hitting success so i think it's really important that we share these things because it's more than just the information it's the mindset that we need so we can implement those strategies absolutely so tell me about your photography business and do you have a system that you can break down some of the steps on how you do your sales, you know, a little bit yes. of potatoes on selling. Absolutely. So for me, um, I've been good at business for a long time. I've been an entrepreneur uh, for 17 years now. My first business was 17 years ago. I was a wedding photographer. I started my wedding photography business in 2013 and I went straight out. And so one thing that was better than my photography was my sales and my business, funny enough. Um, so I understood those things, but I've been learning a lot of stuff along the way, of course. And so for me, one of the most important things is in business, you have, you have three important things, just like photography, you know, so for, in photography, you've got shutter speed, ISO and aperture. Mm -hmm. So these three things and, and we've, and we've got them and, and it's the fundamentals of taking a perfectly exposed photo. So in business, we have pricing, marketing, and sales, and they all correlate just the same as, uh, it correlates with photography. So you have a perfect formula to get the right success. So if your prices increase, then your marketing needs to change and it needs to change to different people or your sales need to change. And so there's always a correlation between all of them. With sales, um, what I've realized is like, obviously as my price increases, um, it's been easier to sell because I attract better quality clients that are like more willing to pay, more willing to see the value, more willing to value themselves. Like there, there's just like a whole pool of things, the reasons why someone would, uh, it's easier to sell to someone that has a bigger bank account because usually they're in abundance sure. as well. They see value, right? right? Um, but I think one of the most important things is you need to uh, validate the right people coming through. So your marketing needs to be right. And then your pricing needs to be right. And then the sale is easy. So what most people do is they market to the wrong person and then they price at the wrong price. And then they like, Oh, my sales, I just can't convert. I'm like, well, because you marketed to the wrong person, I was never going to buy it to start off with. You gave them a price that they couldn't afford or was too cheap. And then you tried to sell them something that they didn't want. And so with that funnel, it becomes really hard. So what we need to do is we need to validate them through the whole process. So it starts, you know, on social media, but going to our website, uh, I need to see there's some desire on there, some trust. I need to see some urgency, like a reason to get in touch, good call to action. I need it to be firm, strong. I need to understand everything. I need all of my buying information on that website. Then getting in touch with you. 
um, as a consumer, I want to know that um, one, Jai, like what are your prices? What's your information? Also, do you understand me? So the best sales pitch in the world is listening. And so the first thing that I do is I will read their email. I'll listen and listen in between the lines as well, the things they're not saying. And then I always recap what they said to me and I say back to them. And then that allows them to know that I fully understand the brief and I fully understand what they're about and what they're looking for. Then when we're having the client meetings, the same thing. Like I'll allow them to talk. I barely talk about me, all my services. Like I will if they bring it up. But honestly, I start with a create rapport. So I just talk with them. Um, I ask them the right questions. And then from there, I will... um, One of the most important things is I will bring up my pricing and then I will always recommend the right package for them and I won't let them choose. Mm. So this is a really important thing in sales. It's also a really professional way to show up because you are the professional. So when I do that, then I go, okay, so this is a little bit further out of your budget or this is less than what you're expecting to spend. Um, But I recommend package two or package three or can make something custom based on what you just told me over the emails, over Mm. our conversation today. Uh, And then from there, they can pick it or they can leave it and choose something different. But the important thing is I gave them my best recommendation to get the best job possible. Then from there, we can say, what can we compromise on or uh, well, what extra do you want? And so it's now a conversation opposed to me just saying like, here's the price and that's it. Um, and then of course, like I am really good at closing the deal. So for me, it's like when sales comes in, it's like, I'm very confident. I would tell somebody, now it's time to get out your credit card or how do you want to pay for this? Um, I'm very confident in being, um, I'm very lenient with them as well. It's like, how do you want to pay? Do you want a payment plan? We can do that. How much do you want to pay? Uh, How do you want to pay? You want credit card, Amex, PayPal, Venmo, Bitcoin, like whatever. Like I take money from- (laughs) Yeah. Whatever, like however you want to give me money, I'm always accepting money. I, mm-hmm. I don't discriminate against money. Cash even works. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think it's like really important that mm-hmm. we don't put up barriers and make it really hard for people to book us on any of those steps. Because yes, it may cost you a tiny little bit of money to process a credit card, but honestly, you just made a sale and that's worth a lot more. And also your client experience increased. And when you have a really good client experience, we get referrals. And once we get referrals, then we have a sustainable business because now you can actually scale. So it all ties in. So if you have the mindset right now where you're like, I'm not going to process payment um, credit cards. It just cost me too much. You're in that scarcity mindset. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have the same result with how many clients come through the door. It's going to be scarce. Yeah. And we tend to attract people that are like us. So if we have exactly. that scarcity mindset, Chances are a high percentage of our clients will be people that want a nickel and dime or Mm -hmm. shop for the best deal rather than that abundance. I love you said that you said the abundance mindset. Um, Yeah. And I say this all the time, like even in my coaching program, like I have a few students per year that, you know, they rock up and they really hound me for a discount and we don't give discounts, but they, they really go hard on the discounts. Uh, and then the first thing that they jump in the coaching call and they go, how do you handle people asking for discounts? Because everyone always asks me for discounts. <laughs> I'm like, well, let's like sort of take it back here because I feel like uh, what you're putting out to the world is what you're going to attract. And I, one thing I do know about doing business with you is you are very hard on wanting a discount. And so, of course, people are going to see you the same way. And I think it's really important for myself. Like I never offer discounts, but I never ask my mates to do stuff for cheap. I never ask anyone to do anything for free. I pay full rates for everybody because I want to support their businesses. I want to support my family. I want to support, you know, others in the industry. And because of that reason, people support me as well. And I feel like it's a, people know the way that I show up and that I pay everybody. No one does anything for free for me. And people do this, pass on the same respect to me. And I I think it's a good relationship. So I'm going to scroll way back because you, you are such a wealth of uh, <laughs> I crammed great, a lot in there. <laughs> great, great sound bites or thoughts that are like, ooh. So as I was listening to your process with sales, which what I hear and know, of course, myself is we have to first market to the right people. We also have to show up in a way that those people will be attracted to us. And then we need to develop um, a relationship where they like us, they trust us, they feel 
listened to, they feel cared about. In my program, and I didn't coin this phrase, but I love it, it's positioning ourselves as the trusted advisor. Mm -hmm. And then, and I love that part where you said, uh, then you pretty much have positioned yourself where you can say, this is what I recommend. And because they they have developed confidence in you from every step that you've done to that point, then they lean into your leadership. And um, so I love you and I are on on the same page with different different words on that that and I think about times when I purchased something that was major, um, or even going to a great restaurant and and asking the server, you know, what, you know, what is the best thing on the menu? What do you recommend? And where they give you honest feedback, where they've, they get to know your tastes and they don't just say, oh, everything's good. You know, so it's all, um, totally. I, get I think that. all sales are relationship. Yeah. And a relationship and you're right there, like one really good point there is your server was honest with you of what's actually good. And then that will create trust, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so often a lot of people think that like, oh, Jai, you're just like upselling everybody when you recommend the price. I definitely don't do that. I downsell all the time because mm-hmm. someone will come to me, like think about this. I like, I go towards like a luxury market. And so when my clients come through the door, they usually have a lot of money and then they overspend. And so they'll come in and they'll say, I want the biggest package and I want two shooters and I want an album and I want you there for 12 hours. And in reality, they're having like a little two hour, you know, a small elopement with no guests in in the city. And so mm-hmm. I will come and I'll listen to everything. I'm like, hey, based on what you said, we don't need to spend that much. Like, of course you can, but this is what I recommend. And I will always talk them down like, Jai, thank you for being so transparent. Like, we're going to add in a couple more albums for our parents then, you know, and they'll do something else, but they will trust the fact that I've got their best interests at heart, not my bottom line as my best interest. Bingo. Flashing lights around that. that Sales, I think the negative perception and sometimes even the fears or what creates the fears is thinking that sales is about what we want and trying to Mm. push people into it. And you love selling and I love selling because what we're doing, what I hear from you is we're honestly caring about what's best for them and being the guides for it. That's right. And, you know, I'm so passionate about, people having beautiful photographic art in their homes of people they love and the importance of that experience. And you um, love, and I do as well, for people to have amazing photographs and a wonderful experience with the photographer. And so it all comes from that. It, It comes from a place of service. Yeah. And I think people don't realize that, that think selling is a four-letter word, that Mm. it comes from a place of selfishness rather than serving. Do you have thoughts on that or... I 100% agree on that. And I actually sometimes see it. I see like people are like so good at everything. And then when it comes to sales, they are concentrating on their bottom line because it's not even their fault. They just think that's what you're supposed to do. They're like, oh, I need to make as much profit as I can. I want to be a six-figure photographer. I want to do this and that. And honestly, and then they try and skimp on everything else, which is the client experience. It's like I was talking about with credit cards before and other things. But if you flip it and you give so much value to your clients, that even if they didn't pay you money, you give them value. And then they're like, man, like I feel like I'm already well looked after and like I fully trust this person. Then sales no longer, it's like I was saying before, it's like, you no longer need to make sales. All you are is being the best version of yourself, showing up so you're passionate, you're a good storyteller. They see that, they resonate with it, and then you listen, and then they feel understood, and then you can guide. And then once you guide them to what they need, and then it's a great transaction. There's no you know pushy sales tactics or tricks or anything like that. It's just, hey, I'm here doing business, and I want to do business with you, yeah. and thank you for allowing me to do what I love for years to come. You know, because of that, I'm going to make sure that you always win. Here is a little secret that I use in my business. Mm, okay. In all, all my businesses. Okay. Everybody listen. Perk your ears up. A little secret. Listen to this. 
it's really important to have a wildly successful business to always allow your clients to win. I'll say that one more time. To have a wildly successful business, you need your clients to win. Now, so often people say, I need to charge what I'm worth and it needs to be an equal transaction, but it's not the case. If you want a wildly successful business, you need to give more than you receive. And if you can do that, Mm. if you can give more than what you're actually getting back, then you're going to have a business that will be sustainable because people will talk about you, they will refer you, you'll get more opportunities, you'll work with more people. And in turn, more people are probably going to spend more with you as well. And you'll probably make a lot more profit. You'll have more clients, everything expands. If you come from a place of how can I give you so much more that you're going to walk away and say, man, I could have paid Jai more for what I got. It's unbelievable. I feel so good about this transaction. Okay. So I want you to um, explain how this isn't, let's give them a thousand digitals and let's discount everything and make it cheap. And, you know, we're not talking, you're not talking about giving yourself away. So what, what are ways that you allow your clients to win and what, how you give more than you receive and at the same time have them write you high yeah. or five figure checks and refer their friends and you know that you're not giving yourself away. So tell me more about your thoughts on that. Well, it's really important that we don't give ourselves away. And I thank you for um, bringing up this point because we want to be sustainable and we want to have a business and we want to take people's money and they want to thank us for taking their money and having a business there. So it's really important. So value. So what I'm saying is you need to provide more value than you receive transit from the cash, right? Value doesn't mean more prints. It doesn't mean more hours. It doesn't mean working for free and it doesn't mean doing it cheaper. In fact, I would honestly say if you've got a higher price point, it means you're giving more value by default. And I want you to think about this. If you went to a Sizzler or you can eat and you spent $20 and you got buckets and buckets of food, or you went to a Michelin star chef and you spent $200, you got less, a lot less food, but it doesn't mean you got less value for the $200. And in fact, I would say you got more value at the $200 place than you did at the $20 place. Reason being is because there was a, something else. There was status, there was desire, there was an experience. Um, that The experience was insane. Someone came mm-hmm. over and they like paired some wine with your food. They went to the markets and got the perfect food for me to taste. Now I'm having an experience where I get to taste the food. Like, Like it's just, it's like chalk and cheese, like the two, but (laughs) one's more expensive and it has more value. So when I walk away from a Michelin star restaurant, if you've ever had the experience of doing something like that, you never walk away going like, well, that wasn't worth it. You walk away saying like that, well, that was an incredible experience. Like, Mm -hmm. thank you for allowing me to spend my money, to have that experience, to share it with my wife, um, you know, on this trip of wherever I went. And it's different to Sizzler, where a lot of people, what we think is we think value equals stuff. And in fact, the highest paid photographers that I know on the planet, all they do is they give less stuff. Like, I want you to think about that. Think about um, I know Jose Villa, for instance, he's a friend of mine and he's talking about when he shot Justin Bieber's wedding. He's like, man, I charge these huge prices, but I give less stuff. Like I, I'm going to post these photos less on place. I'm going to give him less stress. I'm going to show up less actually, like less time. I'm going to have less backwards and forwards and make less complications. Like there's so much less than you give. And then if you go a cheaper photographer, they, they, they give you more. And it's like, it's not only just more more photos, more prints, uh, more hours. It's more stress. It's it's more chaos. It's more emails. It's more sifting through trying to understand how like what time do we meet. It's it's more steps in the process. It's more steps to pay them money. Like mm-hmm. it's just hard. And so I would argue that it, there's less value in a cheaper photographer than there is in a more expensive photographer. That's a really good thing for people to ponder in their heart how could that possibly be (laughs) but i'm thinking about so for example las vegas and have you ever been to wppi in las vegas i've never been to wppi no i was in las vegas a few weeks ago though ah um yeah so there's that they're falling away now but there's been a tradition of of buffets at casinos and the buffets have Mm -hmm prime rib and like every kind of food you want. And some of the food is quite good. Some of it's just okay. Some of it you're like, oh, I'm glad that's not that I don't have to eat that. And so I ate at the MGM Grand Buffet maybe twice because it's convenient. 
But I also had lunch with a couple of friends at Emerald Lagasse's restaurant that's at the MGM Grand. Mm. First time I ever ate at one of his restaurants. And it was the most memorable experience. And yes. it was when he was first on television and I'd had a big crush on him. I don't anymore. I'm over him. But <laughs> but the, I still remember the experience. I still remember the ambience. I remember the waiter. I We ordered several things and shared so we could try different things. Um, I remember. Okay, there's something more. There's something bigger at play here. What's yeah. really interesting, what I said before is if you've got a sustainable business where people will recommend and refer you. So what you're talking about right now is you've eaten a, like a lot of meals since then, but you are on this podcast right now telling me about this experience that you had and you spent more money on it. 15 years so, ago. 15 years ago. And so what I always think about is um, if we cut in corners and we're going cheap and doing all this kind of stuff, we're just like all the other meals that you can't even remember. But the one that we do remember, you probably don't even remember that it cost you more money because that's not the thing you thought about. No. You remember the experience that you had. And right. so now you're talking about it, recommending it, and mm-hmm. you know it's amazing. Yeah. And sadly, over time, uh, that experience has dwindled at MGM so that now it's just a great place to pop in, sit at the bar, have some food, and it doesn't have that same magic. So it's important that we maintain. <laughs> so exactly. I, I always go back to food when I'm trying to explain um, <laughs> value things because I like food. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really yeah. easy analogy. And so there's so many different ways of value as well. Like I want you to think about, so we can think so often something like McDonald's, for instance, and we're like, oh, there's no value there. It's so cheap. But McDonald's provides so much value and they spend, this is the unfair advantage, right? They spend like millions and millions and millions on positioning themselves in convenient locations for you all around the world, on every corner that's so expensive, the best real estate in the world. For you to be able to drive through and get a $3 burger wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And so it's an unfair thing. Like It's like, wow, I can I can order this so cheap. And they invest all this money into it. And so that's what I mean by the value thing. Right. It's It's got to be, you bring so much value. So they don't even realize it. They're just like, wow, like I'm just excited that I just get the thing. And it didn't even cost me that much money. Or maybe it did cost money, like whatever it is. But value shows up in all different ways. Love it. I love it. So I have one last question uh, while we still got a little time. And you've probably already touched on this, but I know you help people bust through those limiting beliefs. So how can we erase those or tame them? <laughs> it's um we always have a limiting belief. So you will never get to a point in our lives that we don't have it. And so what I talk about is like you have a ceiling and a floor. So if you do bust through your ceiling, then you have a new floor. And so you sort of, you're going up levels. Um, The unfortunate thing is as you go up levels, you realize that the building is a lot taller than you originally thought because it just gets bigger and bigger. The more that you know, you realize the less that you actually know. (laughs) And then it's, it's a, it's a deep pond. (laughs) But um, honestly, like I've been working on my mindset actively for around about 15 years now. And that's like reading books. I read books every single week. I listen to podcasts. I show up in coaching calls. I talk to people. I uh, limit who I talk to or I, or I limit outside noises or, you know, I don't watch the news. I haven't done that in 15 years. Like there's so many things that I do to actively work on it. And I think one of the limiting beliefs is that we can actually change our whole mindset and everything with just one day, but it compounds. And so the cool thing is, if you are working on your mindset, it you will never get worse off. You only get better. Oh, like that. <laughs> yeah. And so I think about this because I've spent so much time on it. And sometimes people will be like, is it worth reading that book? Is it worth showing up in that coaching call? Is it worth like going over there? And I'm like, it's never not worth it. That's the thing. And so as we like, if you learn one more skill, you never go back to before you didn't know that skill. So if you earn a really good high value skill that allows you to increase your earnings, you never go back to where you were before. And that's why someone that's a millionaire can lose everything and they'll be a millionaire again by the end of the year because they can lose the money. Sure. You can lose the relationships. Absolutely. You can use your gear and that could be stolen for sure. But you will never lose your skills and you can just plug and play your business back in and you can grow it again, regardless if you've got money or anything else. And people that win the lottery 
often lose it, end up either broke again or even more in debt than they were yeah. before they won it because of those beliefs. So I I had a flash of something that that um, busted through a limiting belief that I had that I it's my mission to help people break through this as well is the idea that from a client we could sell multiple wall portraits and this goes back it might even be 30 years because I've been around a long time now um Joe Butts he was top photographer in our area and nationally fabulous photographer and great salesperson and he was doing a, a program and he showed an image uh in his slideshow and he said I sold six of these he bought the the father it was the dad and his four sons that they all had guns mm. and they had dead uh, dead animals hung on the wall so not my cup of tea but he said the the guy bought one for his home one for his summer home one for his winter palace one for each of his children and then a book and it it just was like oh it's like oh. penny drop moment. Yes. And and then I had a client who, and it actually in this case, it was the dad, which is unusual, bought 20 16 by 20s from a family session that I had. And if I hadn't had that limiting belief exploded from Joe Butts, I don't think I could have even imagined. I think I would have been selling those all in eight by tens, except for maybe one wall portrait but because i knew it was possible then yeah and then sometimes you just need to see one person do it and that's exactly right it breaks that limiting belief and then you got a new glass well new a new ceiling and a, and a new floor you'll never go back before that point before you've seen that right right yeah and the the really flattering thing is that they were buying a new house in texas they had a house here in San Diego and they have when he's a, he's a lawyer. And when they were looking at houses, he said, very many of them, they said, no, we can't buy this house because there's no place to put Lucy's portraits. Like, ding, like ding, wow. ding, big li limiting belief. If someone's listening, <laughs> just know that's possible. So, and, yeah. and I've on, the whole average three to eight large portraits per client. Wow. And the knock on effect on that one thing falling over for you, the domino falling over for you has made you so much money, which oh my in gosh. turn has helped you show up and create more, you know, for your clients. Yeah. It's allowed me to serve them in a bigger way because those images are worth to, you know, I imagine in most of my clients' lives are worth so much mm. more than what they paid me as their lives change and kids grow and oh people. there you go that's what i was talking about you make them win right exactly. so what you're giving them is worth more than what you actually charged exactly there it is do you have an example of a limiting belief that got exploded and now it's just like oh yeah uh well man i, I have so many but um what's really interesting actually actually i do have one so i have a course and it's it's called the six figure business map, right? It was really interesting. I started up back in 2020, and it took me about five years to sort of build this thing out because uh, I was doing like uh, workshops all over the all over the world, I was doing workshops, so many of them. Then I was like, I really want to make this a coaching program, put it online. So when 2020 came around, I was actually there, and I had my team with me, and we decided to do some research on how much people would spend on a coaching call and a course for wedding photographers. At the time in 2020, the only one I could find maximum price was $299 that I couldn't find one anywhere that was more. And that was like, there was coaching in it and there was like a, a course and nowhere I could find anything. So I turned to the team and I said, look, to make this good and sustainable for us for years to come so I can give people results, like I have to charge a lot more than that. And mm -hmm. I came to the price. I was like, I actually want to charge um, $2,000. So that's what we charged at the start. And everyone told me, including me, that no one's ever going to pay me that much money to help them, you know, succeed in their business. And so my team was saying that. I was saying that to myself. 
Um, but regardless, I did the numbers and I was like, this is what it needs to be for them um, to get value from me so I can keep showing up in these coaching calls and and not be worried about like, where's my next paycheck coming from? My, so my, my staff can be paid and they're not on minimum wage and everything else. And so when the people pay, there was a little bit of friction back then for like a little bit of pain. So then that way they would actually pay attention mm-hmm. um, so that the pay to pay attention. Anyway, I thought no one was ever going to show up and it became, I would say today, probably the biggest selling online course for wedding photographers. Like it it blew up. It went crazy. And so all starting from me just like not believing it, but doing it anyway. And then the first sale that came through and then another one, another one. And I think since then we've had like three, 4,000 people like do our course and it's like, holy moly. Like I had no idea that, um, yeah, I was holding myself back. and. I think about that moment all the time because I could have compared myself to the market, which everyone does, and go, no one pays more than what this person's charging. And we always limit ourselves to what everyone else is doing. And what I did was I was like, no, I'm going to 10 times it because, well, it's a bit less than that, because I'm not doing it to compete and compare with everybody else. I'm doing it because this is what I need to do to provide value. So I reinvented what I thought was the thing and it worked. And now, of course... There's a lot of people that charge the same and do the mm-hmm. same and everything else, but it was cool. And the thing is, so one of the first big courses that I took when I wanted to grow my coaching business, uh, it was $2,000 for the the course, the self-study. And then there were about six or seven group coaching calls and there was a three-day thing and um, and it it was a little like, okay, I'm going to do this. And because of the price, I studied it. I, oh, yeah. You know, if it had Definitely. been $200. I have so many $200 courses that I've oh, never yeah. opened up again. I looked at it once and then I've just never gone back. Yeah. So <laughs> in everything that we do, the price can help people get more value out of it. Because if you don't, if I hadn't studied it, I wouldn't be able to offer what I offer in Mm. education for people and support and accountability. And, you know, you, you probably would have not bothered to continue with however your online course. That's right. I wouldn't have bothered to show up for people. And so what's, what's more valuable to people? You've changed people's lives. What's more value to people, like saving a little bit of money in the short term or like making a lot more and having a better experience in the long term? Just like, right. you know, the meal that you had is like you spend a little bit more money and you got a meal and a, an experience and a memory from 15 years ago that you still share. Right. And right. too often we think everyone's making decisions based on money. But I would argue that it's around about, and there's studies done, it's about 98% of the time it's nothing to do with money. Mm-hmm. But as creatives, we always think it's pricing. The first thing. We just go, oh, it's the pricing. Am I too expensive? Everyone always says. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, one other little thing in that. Um, so when when I decided, because I've always been a person that supports other people, coaches, uh, I did it for free. If somebody said I needed a mentor, I would give them some hoops they had to jump through. In order to do it, they had to join the Professional Photographers of America. They needed to join their local and state and participate because there's so much education in that. And I was there for people and Mm. some of them grew. But my first big coach said, when you start charging, just like with the photography, when you start charging well or charging at all, people will grow and learn. Yeah, And that's that's what... You want that's why I do it. I need money or I want money, but I mostly want the investment. I want my clients to invest in my photography so that they treasure it that much more. And you know, if that meal at Emeralds had been $9.95, all you can eat with the same food, yeah, I, I wouldn't be talking about it 15 years later. So that's right. That's I love it. Different. So we need to understand our value and help people understand by how we price, how we 
sell, how we communicate what we do, all of that comes into play. I think that's what I'm hearing from you, Jay. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So um, two questions. How can we get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, And I know you have an easy script that people can download. What's the shortest way to get there? So, you know, how... What should I put in our show notes and how can people connect with you? <laughs> well, the easiest way is if you're listening to a podcast and you're a podcaster and you love them like I do, I have a podcast called Make Your Break where I dive into all this kind of stuff. So that's always the best place to sort of dive in and listen. If you do want, to, I've actually got some um, sales scripts and they're free and they're on my website, which is just jialong.co. So it's J-A-I-L-O-N-G dot C-O. You can go on the website. There's actually a few other freebies on there. There's I've got my best performing Facebook ad that you can download for free. Um, and there's a bunch of stuff. So if you want to do that, like by all means, if you just want more free content, like podcasters right there, if you want to say hello on Instagram, absolutely. I get back to every single DM. So, you know, share it and say hello. And that's it. Great. And thank you. Thank you, Lucy, for having me as well. I really sure. appreciate Welcome. being on the show. So I have one more question before we um, part ways for now. Um, and this is either, is there something that after we say goodbye, you'd be like, oh, I wish I had mentioned mm-hmm. that. Or is there a last thought that you want, you know, what, what do you want us to take away? So mm. floor is yours. Okay. So... Um, well, first of all, I am working on something that's really special. I'm working on my own course and coaching program for like people like ourselves that are educators, um, and creating something because a lot of photographers want to become educators. So I'm creating Mm -hmm. something and we're launching that in a matter of weeks, which is, I've been working on it for three years. It's pretty wild. I think, um, the last like parting words when it comes to sales, I think we just need to know that sales is not marketing. I think a lot of people confuse the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and sales is one of probably the most important aspect of your business. If you had no sales, then you've got no business. It's just as simple as that. And it's really you being the best version of yourself coming at a place of service. And then how can you show up for your clients and it doesn't get unnoticed. It's the thing that's going to help you exponentially grow your business because you'll get more referrals. You'll get more happy clients, more case studies and testimonials and reviews and everything else. It's not that you're doing it for those things, but it does feel nice to be rewarded for the work that you put in. And so, yeah, just keep showing up, spreading that light. And um, the more that you're like happy with yourself and then the inside, like all this stuff, it all comes across and mm-hmm. people want want to work with you and the less sales you have to do. I love it. Thank you so much. And Jay, thanks for having me on your show. If people go yes. to your show they can look me up it's actually a really good episode too so if you want to go over and hear lucy on make your break um she talks about sales and in particular print sales and it's mind-blowing so you need to hear that episode Ooh, mind-blowing i love that <laughs> <laughs> so i really appreciate you jay and i know my listeners are thinking oh my gosh i'm glad i tuned into this so uh, thank you very very much So thanks for staying tuned for my quick wrap up. And thanks also for checking out Lucy Dumas coaching. So let's see, little quick wrap up. I have so many notes. I bet you do too. If you uh, are taking notes and at home, not driving. Um, So we talked about the fear of rejection as one reason people are afraid of selling. He also talked about the fear of success. And I loved one of the keys he said is that we need to learn leadership. And I'm going to summarize, be the boss and the guide of our business beyond being the worker. Um, We need to look at what we can let go of so that we can hire people to do what they do for us. That's the way to grow and expand. Um, we talked about the need for courage, stepping out of our comfort zone. And he suggested that we can borrow from the times we have been courageous. Think about those times and, you know, kind of sit with what it took for us to to do something courageous and that turned out well, of course. 
Um, and then we were talking about sales and he said, first, we have to have our pricing and marketing in line. And then with sales, we also need to have the right people that we're selling to. But then we build a relationship. We listen. We let them talk about themselves. We build a relationship so that then we can recommend things to them and they they trust us. We talked about how selling is a service. We talked about, let's see, the importance of letting our clients win and giving more than we receive. And that doesn't mean discounts or extra photos or files, but it means the level of service, quality, everything we do. Just lots of good things. His last thought is to understand, first of all, that selling is not marketing. And if we don't learn how to sell, uh, we have no business. We don't get money. So it is critical to learn the skills. And also one of the thoughts too that came across really strongly is being in a place of service that we're not trying to get, we're trying to give. And when we give, we we have a right to be paid for it. So that is it for today. And I'm super happy that you listened and I hope you enjoy this and all the future ones and ones in the past. So anyway, great big hugs and kiss. Mwah. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.